religious, either way, amen, to just say, hey, I know, you know, Easter, come, come out and be with us on Easter. You might get them to say, yeah, I need to go. I haven't been for a year or so. And I haven't gone since last time someone invited me. So to take advantage of that and invite them, that's two weeks, actually a week from Sunday. And then two weeks from Sunday, we're going to have baptism. Amen. For all those that haven't been baptized yet, to new converts, people who need to rededicate their lives. It's going to be exciting. Uh, a lot of, lot of events going on. Outreach on Saturday. Amen. At Mac Park. I want to see a great turnout for that. Let's get some souls saved. Amen. I want to get right back into the series tonight. I know you came to eat. Amen. The Word. I hope you did. That's what we're here for. We've given God His praise. Hopefully you gave Him your best. Amen. We've got to remember to try to give Him our best at that time. And uh, it doesn't matter if someone else is praising Him or clapping. We, you are. And we are. We just, we just close our eyes and worship Him and, and give Him our very best and thank God for a good praise team to help us out and get us into the presence of God. I want to continue, I think, to probably tonight and next week. Unless the Lord changes, we'll finish up next week, but on the quenching the fiery darts. Amen. How many have been getting something out of this series? Has it been helping you? Amen. Just trying to recognize and realize how, as we go to Matthew chapter 4, how, how the devil works. How he uh, strategizes to try to uh, attack us, to try to hurt us, to try to defeat us. And we know that ultimately he wants to kill us. He wants, to, he wants us to, to die in, in, in our sin. He wants us to uh, go back to our old ways. He wants us to never know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. For those that have never known the Lord, he's fighting them to know Jesus. And so it's a real battle, and he's a real enemy. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is John 10.10. 10. It says, Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly, Right? But before that, it says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we see the two sides of the coin there, that Jesus wants to give us life. Satan wants to take our life. And, and, and he has strategies to do that by us. So let's look at Matthew 4. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to help us, that Holy Spirit's going to help us get, get this understanding of this area that's very uh, strong and, and important but sometimes hard to understand. I'll explain that in a second. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read this. I think it's been several weeks since we've read the text. Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, right before we start reading, let's realize if Jesus was tempted, how are we going to be exempt from temptation? If, if Satan was not afraid to go after Jesus, he's not afraid to come after us. And so we have to understand he has no uh, wisdom whatsoever. He has no fear. He, 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 he says, you know what, I'm going to go for the big one. I'm going after Jesus. And thank God we have the story of how Jesus handled it. But we've got to understand that if, if he's not afraid to attack the king, if he's not afraid to attack the Lord, he will attack God's people. So it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights... Afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If... 
Now see how he's challenging who Jesus is. There's always going to be an if in your walk. Amen? You're, you're trying to do something for God, and the devil's going to say the if. He's going to throw in the but. He's going to throw in the what if. And he did that to Jesus. If you are the son of God, Satan knows very well Jesus is the son of God. He knows he is. But he's attacking the humanity of Jesus Christ by saying, if you are, then show me. So he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Do you recognize here, and he says, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan is, is also speaking scripture. Okay? So Satan knows the scriptures. So a lot of times, and this is kind of going to be a lead into tonight, a lot of times when, 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 when the devil's attacking us, he will use scripture. And he'll confuse us, and he'll, he'll get us to think, well, um, you know, maybe you're not understanding that scripture correctly. Maybe, maybe you're reading it wrong, because he knows it. And so he's actually quoting here from Psalms 91. He's actually quoting, and here's an example on that. Here's just an example to get you to understanding where I want to go tonight. It, when, when, when the Bible said, Jesus said, in my name you'll cast out demons. In my name you'll lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll speak other tongues. He went on to say, if you drink something deadly, it will not hurt you. And if you, uh, so to speak, are bitten by a snake, it will not hurt you. But the if there is not to assume that somebody would say, well, Jesus said that I can drink poison. So I'm going to drink poison. That's not, that's not what he's trying to say in that scripture. And so, so what someone would do, what Satan could do is, is twist the scripture. And Satan is good at twisting the scriptures. He will use the scriptures. And he will cause us to not understand what, he's try, what God is trying to do in us. And he'll try to, uh, uh, we've been talking about that this whole series, he'll try to distort the truth. Remember we talked last week about it being the truth, but being a half-truth. Being the truth, but not being the, the full truth. Being some truth, but concealed by a little bit of a lie. And I kind of ended up last week, if you remember, talking about rat poison or mouse, mice poison. How it looks, smells, and tastes good to that rat. Doesn't have enough poison in it to, for them to know as they start to eat it, they're going to die. But it's there, and so that they'll eat it, and then all of a sudden, they begin to feel sick and they begin to die. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to come at us in a way where he will cause us to, to, to not think twice like we should about a decision that we're making. So he's using the scriptures. If you're the son of God, jump, you know, jump off this, this, this uh, pinnacle and your, the angels will give charge over you. You know what that's doing? That's testing God. Okay, that's test. That's putting God to the test. The Bible says we're not supposed to test God. And so I'm going to give you some examples here. And before I finish reading, think about this. Just, just some thoughts. So I can say, I can have bitterness against somebody. Here's, here's what I can do. Now, write this word down real quick. Presumptuous. Now, I have trouble spelling it, but that's okay. As long as you can read it, that's all that matters. Amen? Presumptuous. Got it? This is what I want you to think about. And, I, and I, I almost wanted to take a second to give you the mic tonight. And give you, you give me some ideas of what it means to be presumptuous. Because everybody has kind of a different definition for that. But the idea is that I can kind of, and I'm going to give you the definition. Did you write that down, presumptuous? 
failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. Okay, failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. You know what that means? That means that Satan is trying to cause Jesus, even being God, to overstep a boundary that God had given him. Y'all here? Come on, you've heard babies cry before. Y'all, shake, shake some of you. I need, I need some help tonight. I can't move on. Y'all are, y'all are just looking dead tonight. Come on, I know you feel better than you look right now. Amen. Help me out. Are you here? Okay. Don't get mad at me because if you're up here looking at you like you are right now, you'd be struggling too. Amen. Come on, help me out. You got presumptuous. Okay. Some people don't need help sleeping tonight. Amen. You need help staying awake. So elbow that person next to you and say, wake up and pay attention. Amen. Some people can fall asleep walking. So presumption is that I'm going to that I'm going to I'm going to do something kind of understanding that I have some free will and I have some openings, but I'm going to I'm going to get as close to that line as I can. So Jesus is say, Satan is saying to Jesus, I know you have power. And but I, but I but I want you to show it. And Jesus is being tempted. Don't think that he wasn't tempted. He's being tempted in his flesh as a human, but being God to want to jump off that thing and show Satan he can. Okay? That's what he wants to do. How many understand that? We we have to we have to to be able to grasp truly what God has done in us through the cross. We have to grasp that Jesus had the same temptations that we do. Because if we'd have heard those things, starting at hunger, hey, here, turn this stone into into bread, we'd have started right there by going, yes, please, because I can. But if he would have turned the stone into bread, he would have been presumptuous. Does that make sense? And, and, and I, I kind of struggle with that word because it's, it's the best, but it's kind of, sometimes it's like, what does that mean? To assume, to presume, to be presumptuous, to fail to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. That's what presumptuous means. So Satan would, would, would cause us, try to cause us in temptation, it's one of his fiery darts, to cause us to just get as close as to, to the line as we can, but not really go over But there's a sin in being presumptuous. In being presumptuous. Now I'm going to explain that in a second. Give you an example. So so I'm being presumptuous. Here's just a few I wrote down. If I say I can have bitterness against someone else and God will still forgive me. Did you catch that? That's being presumptuous. What does that mean? That means that God does forgive, and he's a very forgiving God. He's a very graceful God. He's a very merciful God, and we understand all that stuff. But I would be presumptuous to say that I can have bitterness in my heart or unforgiveness and say, but God will still forgive me. That's being presumptuous. Because Jesus said in the word, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. How many are following me? So we have to understand that that's an example. Here's another one. Being presumptuous, the sin of being presumptuous. And this is going off of these of these temptations that Satan, that that Jesus is facing with Satan. I don't have to have car insurance, even though it's the law, because God will protect me. That's presumptuous. How many are starting to get the idea of what I'm trying to show you tonight? 
I, I, don't, I don't need car insurance because God will protect me. He will, he will send his angels to protect me. He will take care of me. I, I, can, I can speed tonight and go 80 and a 70 because God will protect me. I'm going over the barriers. I'm, I'm saying, you know what, even though it's the law to have insurance, I don't need the insurance because God will send his angels to protect me. That's being presumptuous. Amen. Here's another one. The job seeker who always stays at home and says, God will get me a job. That's being presumptuous. I'm going to stay home and say, God, you got something for me because I have faith. And what we're doing is we're taking the promise of God that he'll provide all our needs, but we're not doing anything ourselves. And so we're being presumptuous. Here's another one. This might, might or might not hit a nerve. It doesn't matter. It's still, it's still good. Birth control. I, I'm not going to use birth control because that's not normal. Well, toilets aren't normal either, but thank God we have them. Amen. There's certain things that have been invented to help out in society. Amen. Now watch. Don't get mad at me. Watch. Listen. In other words, it's, in, it's, it's, it's within God's natural law that relationships inside of God's will reap babies. So people that believe God for birth control instead of using birth control, guess what they're called? Parents. They'll believe God for birth control instead of you. That's called parents. They're gonna, that's going to happen. You, sometimes you have to, to not presume things. And I'm, I'm going to show you where I'm getting at here in a second. Y'all still love me? So here, here's what we say when I presume things or I have a spirit of presumption, which is a fiery dart of the enemy. I say, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm different than everybody else. I can, and I go over all these just generic examples I gave. I, I can do these things and God will forgive me. That's being presumptuous. And I want to go to Luke four, uh, Numbers 14 in a second, but let's finish the text here. It is written, Jesus says to him in verse 7, Matthew 4, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now what is the one thing we can ask God, that we can test God in? What's the one thing? Somebody shout it out that the Bible says... Tithing, money, finances, giving. It's the only place God says, test me in this. Outside of finances and, and, and provision, we are not supposed to test God. And so we know that he'll protect us if we, if we take something poisonous. We know he'll protect us if, if by accident our insurance lapsed and we didn't realize it because we're human. Right? There's sometimes we just say, hey, it stinks to be human. I messed up. I missed that. I missed the pot. Whatever. Those things happen. That's different than, than being in, in, in order and expecting God to bless mess. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. A lot of us were asking God to bless our mess before we got it all together and got saved and began to ask God to show us how to do things. And so we say, Lord... You know, bless me tonight and my, and my girl that's with me. and Just bless us, Lord. We love you with all our hearts. And we know it's wrong to be living together. And we know it's wrong to be living in sin. But we love you. So see beyond the fact that you said no fornicators will inherit. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. No fornicators will inherit the kingdom of God. No adulterers will inherit the kingdom of God. But you, you know we love you, Lord. And that's just an example. That's being presumptuous. God, don't bless mess. You know that I just have this desire, God, for, for, you know, 
other people. You know, I just have this desire for things. I, I, I kind of struggle with this addiction, Lord, and you know that I still love you. That's being presumptuous because, listen, God is a God of order. Amen. God's a God of order. And so we have to understand that he says, it's written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. And verse 8, watch this. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This is what I want you to see more than anything tonight. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Now, I want you to understand something. I wrote this down in my notes that the Lord spoke this to me. He, this is, let me finish it first before I get ahead of myself. He says, Satan, away with you. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. Can somebody say amen? amen. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Here, here's the thing we need to understand. What, what is good and right takes time. Okay, what is good and right takes time. Good and right don't happen overnight. You don't get a good marriage overnight. You don't get a good relationship with your kids overnight. You don't get a good business overnight. You don't get anything overnight. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes effort. It takes consistency. But here's what the devil will do. He will try to get you to stop waiting Get impatient, because we're all impatient, and get you to, to do something you've been waiting for and get anxious and do it out of God's time and do it in your time. And when you do things in your time, you get what you can get. But when you do thing in, things in God's time, you get what God gives. And so we have to learn to be patient. So here's the thing. What is, this ha what is happening with Jesus? Satan is telling Jesus at that moment to his human flesh, you can have all the power right now. Right now. And in flesh, Jesus is saying, I have the power. I am the power. He's gritting his teeth. Who are you talking to? Right? Don't you know who you're talking to? Right? And wouldn't that would be, be what we'd be doing as human beings? Oh, blood boiling. Hey, the Bible doesn't tell us Jesus' blood wasn't boiling. The Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus wasn't, as we say, hot. He wasn't upset. It doesn't say he wasn't upset. We don't, we, we don't see a picture here where it portrays Jesus to just be all nonchalant and calm. I promise you in his flesh, it's like somebody that gets toe-to-toe -to -toe with you and you, you flinch, you, you, clinch, you do this with your fist. When you do this with your fist, what are you thinking? Punch, Right? Like you can be arguing with somebody and get mad and be up in someone's face. But when you do this, it means you're actually thinking about doing something. I promise you in Jesus' flesh as a human being, he was thinking, oh, devil, who are you? Oh, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. But Satan wanted Jesus to turn in temporary worship. Power at that moment. Power, listen, power for that generation instead of eternal for all mankind and for all people who ever lived, Satan wanted him to turn in for that moment. He had the power to give it to Jesus. He could have bowed right there and got the power, but me and you wouldn't be saved. Because he was looking for a temporary fix to a problem. And Jesus said, no, I'm not here. This is not the moment 
I'm not going to be presumptuous because me and daddy talked about this before I came down and we said we're going to the cross. We're going to go to the cross. And so here I am starting my ministry and Satan's right in my face. And, 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 and I, know, I, I know how the book ends. And at the end, I win and I'm going to knock this dude out. But it's not time yet. It's just the first round. So I got to keep my fist down because it's not time yet. And he, didn't be, he wasn't presumptuous. And you should be thankful and I should be thankful because that's why we have what's called salvation today. That's why we have what's called the cross today. That's why we have today what's called Passover and Easter and Resurrection Sunday. Because Satan did not want Jesus to ever get to the cross. Have you thought about that? It's not just about him walking down with the cross on his back and bleeding and going through the motions. Satan wanted to kill him way before he ever got to the cross. Satan wants to take you out of your destiny before you ever get to the end of it. Satan wants to take you out before you ever reach your full potential that God has for your life. Satan wants to, take, wants to, wants to bribe you to settle for something right now. For temporary gain instead of permanent promise. How many want permanent promise tonight? So I want you to go to Numbers chapter 14. And as you're going there, I'm going to read you the last verse there that we'll end with tonight. Go to Numbers 14. After he says these words, the Bible says, the devil left him. Say, devil, get out. But you can't tell the devil to get out if you're being presumptuous. Okay? And I'm going to show you that in this story right here. That means that I can't call on God's protection if I'm crossing the line he told me not to cross. Oh, it got quiet right there. God's a God of order. Let me say that again. He's a God that expects us to obey. We tend to think today in the new covenant that, that God has become weak. Because he's merciful and he's loving. If you think that God has become weak, you go read Acts chapter 5 tonight. And you find out God's not weak. He's merciful. But don't ever, don't ever misinterpret uh, mercy for weakness. Because God's not weak. And he's a God that cannot lie, cannot fail, is, is not deceived, and does not change. How many are following me tonight? He doesn't change. He doesn't change for me because I say, I'm the exception. He says, listen, this is what he says. You can think you're the exception, but you're going to have some Rude awakenings. You think somehow you've gotten to this place in your mind that you're the exception. That I, I can have bitterness and, and not forgive somebody else. And, and we can go through some time and think that we're getting away with it. Write this down again tonight. I'm not going to go. That's in the same chapter. Though. Numbers 3223. Numbers 3223. Write that down real quick. And circle it. It says your sins will find you out. Your sins will find you out. I, I can, I can, and this goes to everything. It doesn't even, listen, I want to say this really clear. It, it doesn't even always just mean a sin that's going to send you to hell or separate you from God. It, a sin that can cause you to fall out of the plan that God has you on. A sin that can cause you to lose the anointing that God has on your life to touch somebody else's life. 
It, he, those are things that you can't meddle with. You can't mess around with. You have to take them serious. So let's look at Numbers 14. And I need to get there myself. Numbers 14. Let me, as, as I'm getting there, let me read something else out of presumption, out of the definition. Everybody in Numbers 14? So let me read it again. Failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate. Here's some other words that go along that maybe will help you understand what the word presumption means. Brazen. Everybody's going to get this one. Overconfident. As I finish reading these words, you might finally grasp where, where this is going tonight. Arrogant. Audacious. Familiar. Think about that. You can become too familiar with God. Let me, just, let me just chase that thought for a second. What does that mean? Have you ever felt like God wasn't around? Have you ever felt that? You ever felt like, where are you at, God? Sometimes God can sense that we're becoming so familiar with him and who he is. Now, I'm not talking about knowing him, but we get in a rut. We get in a rut and we begin to feel like, hey, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I've done this. Oh, yeah, I got that right. And we begin, to, we begin to get religious. And God says, I'm just, while you're over there doing the this and this and this, I'm just going to move over here. And you keep doing that. And then in a second, you're going to realize I'm not standing over there no more. I'm over here. Because I want to make sure you're still seeking me. Because God wants to be sought. So be careful that in your faith and in your walk with God, you don't get in a rut. And you know what else you can get in a rut? Everything in life. You can get in a rut in your marriage. You can get in a rut with your relationship with your kids. You can get in a rut with your business. You can get in a rut in your, in your friendships. You can get in a rut. Everything. I can list 50,000 things. You get in a rut. It means you become familiar. How many know that when you become familiar? So here's an example. I could become a friend with a police officer. And because he's a police officer or she's a police officer, I know them. I could just, hey, I get away with whatever I want to do when I'm driving because I know a police officer. Well, guess what? If another police officer pulls you over, it don't matter if you know that police officer because the police officer that pulled you over is going to give you a ticket. So You've got to be careful not to get familiar, too familiar with God. Impertinent is another one. Impudent is another one. And I'm going to give you last one, one last one. Cocky. What's the opposite of all those words I just said? Humble. Numbers 14, look at this. Look at verse 39. Right before I read this, just 10 second background. They're coming out where God sends Joshua and Caleb into the promised land. Remember, God's got a promised land for us. Remember, God's got good stuff for us. Good plans, good purpose, good life, good victory. Every, he's got all that. Whenever that's not happening, it's not God's fault. I promise you. It's not God that's failing. So he has all this and he goes, hey, you guys go spy the land out. And what happens? They come back and most of them say, big old giants, we can't go there. We can't do it. Joshua and Caleb say, yes, we can. So that's what's happened, okay? That's what's happened in the story. Now, because they came back with that report, this is where, again, our relationship with God becomes personal. I have to have faith for myself. Say myself. Say that with me. I have to have faith for myself. 
for me. If I don't have faith for me, I'm not doing anything. I have to have faith for me. And so Joshua and Caleb had faith for themselves. They didn't care that other people were saying, we can't do this. They said, yes, we can. And the Bible says that we are credited to, Abraham, the Bible says, was faith was credited to him as righteousness because he believed what God said he would do. Hebrews 11 says, it's, without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. Okay, so we look at this situation, and now, let me tell you something. When you become presumptuous, God gets angry. How many don't want God angry at you? See, I, I understand, I personally understand his mercy and his love, and every morning I tell him I love you, and every morning I tell him I'm merc I thank you for your mercy. Every morning I lift my hands and praise him and worship him, but I never get so comfortable with God that I forget he's a consuming fire. He's a righteous God. Come on, somebody. I could stay right there for quite a while, the whole year, really. We cannot get too comfortable with God that we forget he's a consuming fire. He's powerful. Amen. And so it's almost like when you're working with, has anybody in here ever worked with electricity? Let me see your hands. Any kind of, any kind of anything. Well, you're smart if you haven't. Amen. But if you have, you can get a lot of know-how and knowledge I know how to change lights out and change sockets out and change fans out and change things out. But let me tell you something. No matter how long and how many times I've changed something out, I'm still real careful. Kristen, amen. We were just talking about that the other day. We were working on our kitchen, and I told her to turn the breaker off, and she turned the one, wrong one off. So I became presumptuous that she had turned the right breaker off. See, I should have gone and checked, amen. Not that I don't trust her, but when it came to something like that, I should have gone and checked, and zzz, it wasn't off. Thank God it was a small thing, amen. But how many of you see what I'm saying? You are real careful. Just recently I did some things around here with electricity, and, and I make sure three or four times that breaker's off. And I make sure that I, I'm holding the, I'm changing the wires with something that has some plastic on it. Because it is not fun to get electrocuted at all. I mean, you talk about fire shut up in your bones. Amen. It goes all through you. Amen. From your head to your toe. So we have to be able to be respectful. And so watch this. Now we see, let's just read it actually in 30, 35. God's mad now. His anger's burning because they have come back with this evil report. And he says, I, the Lord, have spoken this. Verse 35, Numbers 14. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. You don't want to be against God. In this wilderness, watch this, they shall be consumed and there they shall die. You know what God's speaking there? He's, he's actually not even speaking death over them. He's speaking over them what can happen if they don't stop being presumptuous. That's what we have to understand in God's mercy, is that his mercy is always there, meaning that if I've become presumptuous and I can recognize it, I back up and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't realize that I have become presumptuous. Forgive me for that. I've, I've gotten a little bit too close to the fire. 
I've gotten a little too close to the area that you... See, as Adam and Eve were being tempted by Satan at the very beginning of this story, if you remember, Eve at any moment, Adam at any moment could have said, wait, 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 Satan, I, you know what? God told us not to eat off that thing. He could have had the fruit in their hand and still said, wait, 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 time out. No, no. Did Adam sin because she had the fruit in her mouth? Eve sinned because she had the fruit in her hand, I mean? No, she sinned when she took a bite. So God's mercy is always there for us to repent. Say that word, repent. That means turn away and be sorry for it. That means turn away and not want to do it again. So watch this. Verse 36, now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. So the men who did the right thing did not get consumed by the fire. Okay? They, they, they were in that congregation of people, but they said, uh you go ahead and mess with that. I'm not messing with that. Now watch this. This is what I really want you to see. 39. I'm going to show you what, I'm going to show you what presumptuous is. Then Moses, now so, 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 say this with me. Some people are just hard-headed. Do you know anybody like that? Don't hit the person next to you, amen. So, every, there's some hard-headed people in this world. They just literally saw a whole mess of people die. Okay? That's Texan for a lot. A whole mess of people just died. And they're gone, they're dead, they've been consumed Watch what they do. Moses told the words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly, so they mourned greatly, but here's the problem. Don't worry so much about your tears on the outside. Worry about your tears on the inside. Don't worry so much about your repentance that everybody else sees. Worry about the repentance that's true between you and God. It says they mourned greatly, but then look what they did in verse 40. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain and said, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. Okay? Don't read that last couple words because I just want to read that part. Let me, don't even look at your Bible for a second. You look in a second. Watch. I'm going to read this. For here we are. Here we are. I'm going to read it like that. Here we are. We're just going to go up to the place which the Lord has promised. That sounds good, right? Lord promised something to us. We're just going to go up there and we're just going to possess the land. Then watch the, set next, the, the next words they said. You, you talk about dumb with capital D. They said, for we have sinned. You talk about presumptuous. They admitted that they sinned. They admitted that they messed up. But they're still going to go up and get the promised land. After all these people just died. Are you here? Presumption is dangerous. It's, it, it, it's something, it, it's it, that familiarity that the devil wants us to have. He wanted, he, was, he wanted Jesus to be presumptuous. He wanted Jesus to step over. See, he, he knew Jesus was God. 
He knew he was, he was something powerful if he could just get him to become just a little bit human. Just a little bit. I don't know if we really grasp the fact that if Jesus would have just done one little tiny thing, we have no salvation. None. Zero. It, it wouldn't have been okay if, if he just would have sinned once. He ruined everything. So he, he just wanted Jesus to fail in just some kind of some area, just a little bit. Read on. And Moses said, now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Listen, the Holy Spirit sometimes will say, hey, this is not going to work out good. Hey, don't do it. We try to say, I just didn't hear the Lord speaking to me. He was speaking. Amen. He was speaking. Don't do it. Sometimes he'll speak through people. Sometimes he'll speak through a, a voice in your spirit. Sometimes he'll throw train track uh, things right down in front of you to stop you. Sometimes he'll, he'll do all kinds of things. Sometimes he'll use a donkey. Oh, I, don't, I didn't hear. Moses says, um, don't do it. This will not succeed. Look at verse 42. Underline those four words. Do not go up. Don't do it. Why? Because you're going to be defeated by your enemies. Why? Because you're being presumptuous. Why? Because God said you couldn't go to the promised land anymore. Why? Because you didn't listen in the first place. Now watch this. This is what we never want to hear. Verse 42. For the Lord is not among you. How many times do we do things in the name of the Lord and the Lord is not with us? Listen, this is not a condemnation. Whenever I preach like this, I'm not condemning. I'm trying to keep us from falling into those things. I'm trying to help us, all of us. I'm a preventative kind of guy. I don't need to be shocked and electrocuted to figure out that hurts. Amen. Somebody else tell me it hurts. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go over and stick my finger now. Really? You know, it's like when someone tastes something really nasty and they say, here, taste this. This is gross. Here, taste this. No, thank you. I believe you. Amen. Sometimes we just need to be a little wiser and say, I trust you. It's probably pretty gross. I don't need to taste it. Do not go up. Verse 42, look, for the 40, 43, I got to get through this. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. Amalekites and Canaanites, symbolic of the enemy in any way. For you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. God don't bless mess. That's what he's trying to say there. Can't be presumptuous. And then what, what happened? Y'all think I'm going crazy talking about presumption. Well, here's the word. Look at 44. What does it say? But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, now watch this, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. And this is what we talk about where you are dying on the wrong battleground. My pastor tells me, don't die on the wrong battleground. Amen. You, you're fighting, don't fight in an area where you're not even in the right fight. 
How many people you think, as we see examples here, over the years, the thousands of years that the Bible's been around, have died on the wrong battleground? Like they died and they said, yeah, died for God. He said, no, you didn't. I wasn't in that fight. I'm over here. And the reason I'm over here and you're over there is because you got presumptuous and you got comfortable with me and you started following rules and regulations instead of knowing my word. And you started listening to people around you instead of following what I say. Come on, somebody. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a place you're not supposed to be in, doing things you're not supposed to do and things you said you never would do. I mean, people do things and they, they do things. They said, I'd never do that. I'll never do that. That's dangerous. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them, drove them back as far as Hormah. Danger zones. I didn't even get past the first page of notes. Bow your heads tonight. I guess this is going to go on two more weeks. Father, we listen to your word tonight. We don't want to be presumptuous. Lord, we want to understand that we have a relationship with you, that you are a loving God, a merciful God. We, we just talked about that Sunday morning. You're the Messiah, the merciful Savior, but you're also a God of order. You're a God that has everything written out for us. What should I do in this situation, Lord? What does the Bible say to do? And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you need to get to the place in your walk with God that when you're making decisions, you're lining them up with the word and the will of God. With the word and the will of God. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to read to you a verse in Philippians. And I want you to think about this verse as I'm reading it. And I want you to do, as I've already done, inner searching of your heart. To think that Jesus Christ did not presume or became, become presumptuous or cocky or arrogant or any of those words that we used for the definition of presumptuous overconfident brazen any of those things being God being God he did not do that if he's our example and he being God did not presume a position how much more do we need to humble ourselves the sight of the Lord how much more do we need to say God help me make sure that I don't ever become presumptuous in any area of my life because listen to what Philippians 2 says as we close tonight verse 5 listen carefully that this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus now right before I finish reading this I want you just to go back in your mind and your spirit real quick to Matthew 4 in the wilderness Jesus being tempted after 40 days of fasting Jesus saying turn these stones into bread jump off this building off this rock off this pinnacle 
worship me and I'll give you all these things as he's being tempted to use his power, being God. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, listen closely, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's humility. That's our Jesus. That's our Lord. If he humbled himself being God, how much more do we need to say, God, help me, help me, help me not become arrogant, help me not become presumptuous, help me never get to a place where I'm so familiar with the, with the things of God that I lose my respect for you. That's the balance, church. He's merciful, he's loving, he's awesome, he's amazing, he's wonderful, but he's God. Respect, honor, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So tonight, that's our challenge. That those fiery darts of the enemy would never allow us to get to that place where we become presumptuous in our walk. And that's what we'll pray about tonight at the altar. That's what we'll deal with tonight on a Wednesday night because we want to walk in the ultimate anointing that God has for our lives. But that ultimate anointing comes through humility. How many tonight could say, Pastor, I've never humbled myself to give Jesus lordship of my life. I've never died to myself enough to say, I can't do life by myself. I need help. I need a savior. I need Jesus tonight. How many could say, that's me. Would you pray for me? I've never been born again. Just lift your hand and put it down. I want to pray for you tonight all over this place. That's me. I need Jesus. You tonight have a choice and an opportunity to put your life into the life of God's hands. The one who could have given in at the time of temptation, but he didn't. He stayed and went to the cross for you so that you could have hope, so that you could have salvation. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God. As we stand to our feet, if that was you and you raised your hand and you meant it or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you just know I need to give Jesus lordship of my life tonight, the altar's open for you to give your heart to him, to say that prayer, to say, Lord, I need help. And, and, and tonight, we're just gonna open up the altars, take some time to pray and say, Lord, help me not to be presumptuous, amen? Help remove anything from me that's brazen, overconfident, arrogant, bold, familiar, Lord. In any way in my life tonight, just speak to the Lord from your heart tonight as you come, as we sing tonight.
don't think we understand sometimes, and this is why at this time of the year especially we're so, sometimes people say, why, why do people get, make such a big deal of Easter and why do we talk so much about this and that? And the re, the re, we understand that every day is Easter for us. We understand every day is Resurrection Sunday. But we have to understand the things leading up to that, how significant they were. Satan knew, again, that if he could cause Jesus to fail this much, it was, everything was lost. Everything was lost. Now, if you stop and think about it, the reason that Jesus had to come is, is because man had failed over and over again. He had caused, he had set it up where priests would go in and stand in for the people, and they, they were, but they were humans. They would fail. They would fall. They would make mistakes. And so he said, I, I've got to go down and do this myself. It's one of those things almost like where someone says, you know what, i got to go take care of this myself. But he had to do it in a way where he went through everything man went through. That's, that's what's so amazing about the Passover. That's what, so he, he was fulfilling everything that the Old Testament, that the priest did, everything that those, those seven ordinances, he was fulfilling them. That's why he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He was talking about fulfilling everything the law required. Does that make sense? It's like standing before a judge and you're required to answer questions. You're required to submit all the details. So he had to come and fulfill everything. That's why he says, I did not come to abolish law. I came to fulfill it. And we have to understand that if you think about Moses, we hear the name Moses and we, we admire Moses. We, 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 we look up to Moses. We we think, man, Moses, what a great man of God. But do you realize Moses in his greatness did not go into the promised land on this earth? We know he's in heaven. We know he's, he made it to heaven. But what that means is some things are not sins or, or, or disobediences that will cause us to lose our salvation. But they'll cause us to not fulfill the destiny that God has required for our lives or called us to do. And that's what I was talking about last week at the end, or maybe it was Sunday night at the end of the service when it says we stand before God and have to give an account for our lives. Sometimes you've got to think, man, that what I didn't do for God is going to be my greatest disappointment, what I could have done. But becoming presumptuous. Why did Moses not enter? Because Moses did not listen totally to God. He listened most of the time. That's where we have to say, let me learn from Moses. What's, what's been the silver lining of this entire series? Major in the minors. Work, work on the little foxes. It's not this big swing of the devil that's going to knock us out. It's slowly coming in. Sly, cunning, crafty. It's never stopping listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's never becoming familiar where I, I've got this. When you get the attitude of I've got this, you know, I've been preaching for 24 years and I still come up to the pulpit to grab a Bible and preach with a reverence in my spirit and a fear in my heart to understand I am preaching God's word. It doesn't matter how many conferences I've preached. It doesn't, I've preached thousands of messages and I still rever revere 
the message I'm preaching because it's so powerful and real. If we ever get in, and that's why you think sometimes, how can some of these cocky, arrogant people do the things they do in the name of God because they don't revere him? They, not be, they might not be paying the fiddler right now, but they will answer for that stuff. And you know what they're doing? They're presumptuous about the word of God. Don't ever get that way. God wants you to stay pure and humble and broken. Brokenness is good. Brokenness is good. That's why the altar is so powerful. I come and I say, Lord, I need to humble myself. I need to humble myself. I need, I need to get down on my face before you and remind me, not you. I know you know who you are. I need to remind me of who I am. I'm nobody. I'm nobody without you. Let me know we need some more reminding of that. I am nobody without you. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but without Jesus, I am. Too many people are doing, I can do all things through myself who gives me strength. They don't just say that, but they do it. Christ has to be involved. The cross has to be the center. Jesus had to go all the way. That last verse said this, he humbled himself. I always catch myself when I say, God, humble. Nope, sorry, Lord, Lord, I humble myself. Watch your wording on that. You don't want God to humble you. Don't ask God to humble you. Don't do that. Say, Lord, I humble myself. That's what Jesus did. He said he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Lord, I submit. I, that's why I die daily. I, I, I beat my flesh into subjection. I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be weak. I'm gonna, but I'm not going to make excuses for, this, for the things I'm doing. Because when I do that, I become presumptuous. And that's a dangerous place. Let's say the Lord's Prayer or the Salvation Prayer tonight. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves in your presence. We declare that we are sinners tonight, lost without you, separated from you because of our sin. But Jesus Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes unto the Father except through you. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, take over my life, give me a new life as I believe that you not only died but you rose from the dead and conquered death. And I accept that tonight. I put my faith in that tonight. And I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask you tonight to guard me from being presumptuous, from in any way becoming arrogant in my walk. Without you, I'm nothing. But with you, I am everything. And I can do all things in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God is good. Amen. I hope, I hope that the word just marinates in your spirit tonight and we just walk this and say, God, where are the areas? Where are the areas that I'm being presumptuous? Where are the areas that I'm, I'm being cocky? Where are the areas that I'm not listening? And he'll, he'll tell you what they are. And, and if, you'll, if you'll just say, okay, we'll work on that, he'll, he'll immediately heal that. Immediately. He is a merciful God. But just don't take his mercy for weakness because he's a consuming fire, amen? But I want to be on his side. And if you, if you stay humble, you're on his side because when we become prideful, we go to the devil's side. We don't want to be like the devil. And we, we want to stay humble like Jesus was, amen? He had all the power in the world. He could have done anything. And, and you, know, you know us, we would have been striking lightning bolts. We would have been throwing lightning bolts on everybody. Thank God it wasn't us. Thank God it was him. Thank God he came down as God, amen, because we would not have salvation if it was for us. Amen. But we can have people like Steve, we can have a heart after people like Stephen and Mary Magdalene, that even when she messed up so bad, she, broke, she was broken and gave everything to him, broke that, broke that alabaster box, cleaned his feet, cleaned him. Cleaned. There's hope. There's hope. But it starts with a spirit of repentance. Amen. God bless you guys. Let's, let's, let's get out to that outreach Saturday. Amen. If you've never been to an outreach, don't know what to do, just go watch. Just show up, and God will help you. Amen. We're going to get some people saved on Saturday. Amen. Praise God. See Dwayne for details or Myra. God bless you. Love on somebody tonight. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them.